Do you have a healthy heart? Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 says this, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done. There is no, with the Lord, there is no respect of persons. So God does not, he doesn't care if you're the pastor, he doesn't care if you're the, um, you know, you're the the plumber. He doesn't care who you are. He, you know, he really he wants us all to have a good heart. He's going to judge us, you know, by our hearts. So Caleb was a man who followed the Lord wholeheartedly, uh, not half-heartedly. And uh, I know if you're like me, sometimes that's a struggle. You get discouraged, you get tired, or whatever, and you just kind of you kind of give it a a half half-hearted try, quarter-hearted try. But you know, Caleb was all in. And uh, so this morning, I pray that we're all in. Let's have a word. Let's have a well. Let's look at the word, and then we'll pray. Uh, Joshua chapter fourteen. I want to just pick it up in verse one, and it says here, "And all the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed for inheritance to them by lot, was their inheritance as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the uh, nine tribes and for the half tribe." For Moses had given inheritance of two tribes and a half tribe uh, on the other side of Jordan. But unto the Levites he gave none inheritance among them. Uh, for the children of jo- Joseph <coughs> uh, were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Therefore they gave no part unto the Levites in the land, save the cities to dwell in with their suburbs for their cattle and for their substance. And as the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did as they divided the land. So you can see here all the 12 tribes are being divided up. Of course, two and a half on one side of the Jordan and the other on the other side uh, in the promised land. And it says in verse 6, And the children of Judah came unto, <coughs> unto Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it, is, as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the, my heart or made the heart of the people to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereupon or whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Notice in verse 8, he says, Holy follow the Lord my God. Verse 9, he says, Holy follow the Lord my God. Verse 10, And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he hath these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for uh, war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord uh, spake in that day, for thou uh, uh, heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were, were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave uh, unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance and Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh uh, the Kenzite 
unto this day, because that he holy, there it is again, holy, followed the Lord God of Israel, and the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to read this chapter of the Word of God. Thank you for the the power you gave Caleb to slay giants. Um, and the, I just thank you for the great picture that he uh, is for us of a man who follows the Lord with his whole heart. Lord, thank you for these that are gathered today. Thank you for uh, all those that are in the E-Wing uh, right now uh, watching and, and not just watching but teaching our children. Lord, we pray for them as they're ministering to them and getting the VBS underway. Pray for all the other ABFs. Lord, we pray, Lord, for the Vision Conference and pray for the Word of God that's gone forth this morning. Uh, Lord, we pray for Jason as he's ill uh, and pray. I'm sure there's other prayer requests related to this room that uh, I probably skipped over. And uh, just pray for each and every soul and saint that's in here and the their families, and their posterity. Lord, just pray that you just stir up our pure minds today and give us uh, insights and wisdom to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Does Jason do prayer requests? I skipped over that. If we did, I'd forgive me for that. Um, so this morning, as we look at Caleb's reward, I want to examine really verses 6 through 15. We saw that uh, they were dividing up that inheritance, but I really want to focus on Caleb's heart. And the first thing that you'll see is that Caleb, uh, he, had a, he had a willing... Let's see, I've got to turn this on. There we go. Yeah, I asked this question already. Do uh, <clears throat> you got a healthy heart? But Caleb's heart... Was a, he had a willing heart. He was willing to follow the Lord. And so the first point of study is that Caleb had a willing heart. And and so he had a willing heart. So Caleb's name is synonymous with faithfulness, right? He's a faithful man. This is the first mention of Caleb's name in Joshua. So when Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenzite, is mentioned, it's always in the positive context because his faithfulness to enter the promised land in Numbers 13. And so the scripture places a high value on having a good name. So a good name is better than riches and precious ointment. Proverbs 22 1 says, A good name. Uh, is rather chosen than great riches and loving favor and silver and gold. If you get a bad name, you can be in big trouble, right? If you're in business and you get a bad name, it could it could put you under. Ecclesiastes chapter seven and verse one: a good a good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than one's birth. You probably hear that at a lot of funerals. I like to quote that verse as well. At the end of the day, when you die, did you have a good name? Right? Caleb had a good name because why? Because he was faithful, right? He's a faithful man. And so uh, Caleb appears with the, the leaders of Judah uh, who were pleased to represent Caleb before Joshua and Gilgal where Israel's reproach is memorialized for being rolled away. So he shows up and he, obviously he's been a faithful leader for many now generations. Um, and uh, if you're saved this morning, there'll be a day when you'll stand before the Lord Jesus and on that day, uh, it will reflect your faithfulness, right? We wonder, like, what's the judgment seat of Christ all about? We've had a lot of discussion on Wednesday night about that. You know, if you're, if our sin's judged, then what are we going to be judged for, right? We're going to be judged for our faithfulness. Have we been faithful? You can have your sin dealt with and still be half-hearted, right? You can have your sin dealt with and not be faithful and be faithless and not believing. And so at the judgment seat of Christ, it'll all be washed out if we've been faithful or faithless, right? Full of faith or, or faithless. So J- J- uh, Caleb's a great example of somebody who is faithful. And I don't know about you all, but that's what I want to be. I want to be faithful. I've seen a lot of guys in my in my position in particular as a pastor who drop the ball, don't make it all the way to the end zone, you know what I'm saying? By the time they get to the end of the road, um, 
uh, they just they don't get there, right? Somewhere they drop the Bible, the King James Bible, they compromise, they get pragmatic, or whatever the case may be. And uh, man, I don't want to be that guy. You know, uh, whenever uh, uh, Eisenhower was preparing to, uh, for Normandy, he wrote two letters. One was a, a letter of failure, and one was a letter of success. And he was always kind of leaning to the, the side of failure, which isn't healthy. Uh, but, uh, you know, you always do kind of wonder sometimes, am I going to make it all the way? And if you think that you, you think, if you think that you can be Caleb, you probably need to be careful, right? Because none of us are an island to ourselves, right? So it takes faithfulness to the Lord. It's the Lord who keeps our feet from slipping. Right? It's not just our want to. I'm going to be faithful. Peter was like that, remember? Oh, I'm going to be faithful. I'll die with you. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you'll be denying me here in just a little bit. You know? So you're, you know, you've, really got to, <coughs> you've really got to have the right heart attitude like Caleb. And you still need to have that tenacity like Caleb. So how do we get that? Well, that's why we're talking about our heart this morning. Because if you're like me, you want to be faithful-hearted. You want to be holy-hearted. And the key is to be all-in and to be wholehearted for the Lord. And so Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1 uh, in the New Testament says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand you fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And so, um, you know, Paul told the Philippians that he needed them to stand fast, right? He needed them to stand firm, right? In Ephesians chapter 6, you know, you guys are familiar with that, the whole armor of God. What's a soldier to do? Stand, right? That's the main thing is stand. Uh, not necessarily move, just hold your ground. And, and that's what Caleb wanted. He just wanted to get a hold of his ground that was promised to him. Do you know what's been promised to you, right? That's why we have discipleship. Really what discipleship does is unpack a lot of the basic promises, starting with eternal life, right, and working our way through the, the, the basics. And even though that's the fundamentals, it never really changes, right? Eternal life is something that you never get over, right? Getting saved is something it takes the rest of your life to figure out. And so holding fast to that is important. It's beautiful to see that no one stood with Joshua and Caleb in Numbers 13, and 45 years later, there's a whole new, a whole new generation identifying now with his old guy's faithfulness. I mean, there, generations later, there's no one as faithful as Caleb and Joshua. These dudes were, they were true blue. So, uh, point B, we cannot separate Caleb's appearance here. You don't have a point B, do you? Yeah, okay, I kept it simple. So you, we can't separate Caleb's appearance here with uh, his appearance in Numbers 13. So turn with me over to Numbers 13. Uh, I'm going to have to move really quick here. So Numbers 13, verse uh, verse 30. You guys know the story of Caleb and, and uh, Joshua and the, the spies go into the land, as it's mentioned there in Joshua chapter 14. So I'll just fast forward to verse 30. After Israel, uh, you know, what didn't go? They were they, after they were faint-hearted, right? They were faint-hearted and they didn't go into the land. Uh, this is what happens with with Caleb. Caleb encourages the people not to be scared, but to realize God has given Israel His word. And I love this verse in verse thirty. He says, um, "And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able.'" to overcome it. So the report is that in verse 28, if you look back, the report of everybody else is, nevertheless, right, this is an awesome land, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. If you remember what we just saw in in uh, Joshua, who did, who did Caleb slay? 
children of Anak, right? We saw giant people. Anak, if you know much about this, is, is they're giants. Not just figuratively. Like they were literal giant people. They had some sort of DNA modification. These dudes were huge. And so, um, and so they were scared. They were like, well, you know, it's really awesome opportunities. The opportunity is tremendous, but... You know, we don't want to lose our kids. You know, the the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And, uh, you know, we really we really shouldn't probably take this on. We need to play it safe. Kind of like a lot of Christians today. They want to circle the wagons, right? Let's just play it safe. Let's not go forward. Let's just, let's just our forward no more. Let's keep the big, big bad world out. And Caleb's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow it down. We need to take the offensive. We're not here to. We're not here to back up. We're not here to circle the wagons. We're here to be on the offensive. I mean, we're here to take the promised land. That's why we exist. And so that's what he tells them. You know, the man that uh, he says in verse thirty-one. Uh, but the men that went up with him said, "We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we." And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which they have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and the people that were that saw it are men of great stature. And there in verse thirty three, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come uh, of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So they're scared of these giants. I think you guys know the, the story. And how that goes. But Caleb, I love Caleb's encouragement uh, and how he encourages others to obey God. If we had time, I would, I would take you to chapter 14 and, verses, and read all of it from verses 1 through uh, 10. Uh, but for time's sake, I just want you to kind of fast forward to verse 6. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun, uh, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched out the land, they rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which is passed through to search, it is exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. So God had to make it known uh, that before he, they were stoned, their plan was so offensive, right, to everybody because they were violating their standards for safety that, that man, they were ready to kill them. They're like, this is, this is foolhardy, Joshua and Caleb. We cannot go forward. Um, you know, you're the problem, not us. And, of course, God made an appearance and said, no, you're the problem, right? You're on hold for 40 years. I'm going to put you on the shelf. This generation is going to die in the wilderness. I didn't get into it, but one of the concerns they had was these, these giants and this land is going to kill our children. We can't take our babies into this. We can't take our babies into this cruel world. But by the time we get to Joshua, it's 45 years later. Those little babies are now adults. And guess what? They have to fight the giants that their parents wouldn't fight. And so that's important when we think about it. You know, we need to be wholehearted because God has battles for us to fight so our children don't have to. Caleb uh, says, in essence, you're afraid they'll eat you up, but you know what? These guys are bred for you. 
Right? These are, these people are bred for us. And so, after 45 years, Caleb still obviously believes. And of course, he's been faithful with that campaign uh, to help out the rest of the children of Israel as well as they claim their inheritance. So here's the application. Are you allowing fear of the flesh to hold you back from wholly following the Lord? This is just the application for point one. You know, that's what happens. Sometimes we allow the fear of the flesh uh, to hold us back from serving the Lord. And this morning, we want to make sure that we have a willing heart, right? We need to have a willing heart. And to have a willing heart, we're going to need to... That's the key to having a whole, uh, following God with our whole heart. And what fear has clouded our judgment? What sin has crept in and quenched our zeal to believe in God's promises? And what's keeping me and you, um, you know, in the wilderness of sin? You know, we've escaped the bondage. We're talking about that on Sunday morning. But what keeps us there? Perhaps we allow spiritual heart disease to set in. Right, our arteries start getting clogged. I had a, I had a. It's a cool thing happened. Talk about heart disease. I just had a physical. They did a scan. My doctor was concerned about my heart again. Uh, this is like 15, 20 years later. Actually, 25 years later. Uh, and uh, and so I came back and they're like, man, your arteries are like absolutely clean. Like you have no plaque, even though because I have high cholesterol. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. You know, that's good. I hope it's because i got a good heart. You know, I'll probably have a heart attack tomorrow, you know, blood clot or something. But anyway, <laughs> you never know. But the point is, it's awesome to have a good report about your heart, isn't it? It just makes you, you're like, yeah, I can, I can do this. I can go work on the lawn, and when I have a heart strike, it's just my esophagus. It's not my heart having a heart attack. So that's good. So uh, the reward of our inheritance, we got to have a willing heart. That's number one. Number two, uh, Caleb had a waiting heart. He had a waiting heart. So Caleb had a waiting heart, not a whining heart. How many times do we whine when we don't get what we want, right? We're just like little kids. And we start whining, wah, wah, you know. So Caleb waited patiently for God's timing. Uh, back in our text in Joshua 14, 7 through, 7 through 8, and I'm going to kind of pick up the pace here a little bit. It says here, Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So what do we do while we wait upon the Lord to get our inheritance? You know, hopefully we serve Him wholeheartedly. You think about this, with Caleb, Caleb endured everything the rest of his generation endured. And it wasn't his fault. It wasn't Joshua's fault. But they just endured every all the difficulties. They had to go through all the same things everybody else went through. They had to wait 40 years. They had to go through all of that. And you don't have one record of them whining. Now maybe they told their wives that at night, I don't know. But Caleb endured everything that everybody else endured. And there's no record of him ever whining. Caleb, that whole time, was clinging to the promises that God had given him uh, through Moses that he would someday get his inheritance in the promised land. And so what did he endure? Well, he endured times of hunger, right? There were lean times. Uh, He he endured times of thirst. There were thirsty times. Uh, He endured times of chastisement, right, where Israel was under chastisement. Uh, He endured all of those things, even though he did not actually contribute to those consequences. He still patiently endured without whining. And I tell you, as Christians today, that's important because I I don't know if you guys know this or not, but our country's under judgment, right? You know, you say, how can this happen? Why is, why are, this is crazy. Why is it crazy? 
it's not just because we aren't doing what we need to do. It's because we haven't been doing. And I say we, as a whole, Christians have not been doing what we should be doing. We're salt and light. We make a difference, or we don't, and we haven't. You know, so post World War II, we went to sleep as a church. I'm talking of a capital C church, not every local church. Obviously, there's a lot of great local churches, but the point is, as a whole, we deserve the judgment we're getting, right? You kill enough babies, you know, you 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 pervert nature enough, you celebrate wickedness instead of God. Eventually, you know, you plant corn, you get corn. Right, so you're under judgment. So, what? A lot of times we're, we're tempted to, to murmur, complain, to whine. But what should we do? We should wait patiently, and we should move out when we have the opportunity. Right? We're still in offensive mode, in a Christian sense. And so, it's important that we we understand that. As it's a good example how Caleb and Joshua endured the chastening of the children of Israel, and there's no record of them whining. What did they do? They just waited on their inheritance. If you really look at this literally in a dispensational perspective, from where we're coming from. You know, this world's about to endure great tribulation. I mean, we're coming up on a seven-year period after the catching away of the church. It is like no time in history. What happens at the end of that? According to Revelation 19, we literally come back with Jesus Christ in rule and reign. We're on an offensive battle to come back. I mean, we really do have our inheritance. So the last thing we can do is is like give up, lose heart and get discouraged and start whining. No, actually, we need to stay faithful. We need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to uh, you know occupy till he comes. We need to stand like we're supposed to stand and uh, stay on mission because that's what God has called us to do and continue to advance the ball until Jesus catches us out of here. And so this is a good lesson for us today uh, because you know even if you lose constitutional protection and you face persecution, uh, all of those sort of things are what Caleb would have faced. And, uh, and he still believed God through all that difficulty. In Joshua 14.8, it's the first of those three mentions of holy follow the Lord. In Joshua uh, 14 there, he's, it's mentioned three times that he wholly followed the Lord. Uh, the phrase only appears six times uh, and twice it's in Numbers, once in Deuteronomy. So consider the generational gap between Caleb and Joshua and the men that entered into uh, the promised land with them. And this is interesting, especially with this group that we have right here. Uh, in, verse, in Numbers 32 and verse 11, the first mention of holy followed in the Bible. The Bible says this, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. So the first time you see holy followed in the Bible is dealing with that generation who doesn't go into the promised land. And then you see three times in one chapter, holy followed, attributed to one man, and that's Caleb. That's pretty cool to me. But when you think about it, uh, if in this room, um, I don't think... Well, maybe I don't want to. I don't want to get into this. I could get in trouble. But if we were to have everybody stand, some of us might be over sixty. I don't think there's anyone over sixty, is there? Okay, good. I was. Is Pam? Did she leave? Is she? Is she over? Is she sixty? Fifty-eight. That's right. So no one's sixty. That's what I said. No one's 60, but I'm over 50, right? And then if you go on down, is there anyone that is 20 years old or younger? Rachel, how old are you now? 21. 21. Okay, that fits. You're 21. and All right, so you'd be the last, you're probably the last person standing. 
And when you think about that generational difference, it's about like, uh, not quite. Still, it'd be older than than uh, than me and Rachel. You know the difference between Caleb and the generation he's leading in, and they're watching him, they're observing him, and he's as faithful forty five years later. I mean, you have to get like Bob Bolkin in here for us to kind of get the analogy right, you know, because uh, he is in his eighties, and uh, and I, it would be amazing to to think about following a guy with that kind of generational gap. So we often think about, oh, you know, old people they're not worth anything and all of that. Actually, there's some faithful old folks, especially in our church. As Amy or Elizabeth and I were helping uh, uh, Leela last week, and after we left her house, I was like, hey. You know who she is? She's like, well, yeah, Leela. Like, but you know her story? She's like, no. And I was telling her what happened to Leela. You know, had a car crash, lost her whole family. Hard stuff. You know, she's one of the most faithful ladies I know. Right? What is she? She's like Caleb. You know, she's faithful. After she, if you wanted someone that could whine, you know, what happened to her in the 1970s is it would devastate me. I don't know if I could have recovered from it. You know. And there was times when she didn't think she could recover from it. But God's been gracious to her. And uh, and I tell you what, guys, it's good to set an example for the younger generation. So i got to keep going here. I'm about out of time. So Caleb had different spirit than those of his generation is my point as well. He was different from his generation. Caleb, the servant, the, uh, in uh, Numbers 14.24, the Bible says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and followed uh, me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein he uh, went, and his seed shall possess it. Right? So he had another spirit with him. Because of that, God allowed him into the promised land. So where Caleb's generation saw giant men, he saw giant opportunity. Right? They're giant men. Caleb saw giant opportunity. They see giant opposition. He sees giant opportunity. Where Caleb's generation saw defeat, Caleb saw victory. Where Caleb's generation felt fear, Caleb uh, was fearless and filled with faith. Caleb didn't just go along to get along, man. He was all about the mission of God. So here's your application. You know, uh, wait while you wait. In verse 10 of chapter 14, where our text is, it says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he has said, these forty-five years, even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. What is? What was he doing that whole time? Now, at 85 years old, he was he was serving the Lord for those forty-five years. He, he worked while he waited. He waited. Uh, he was a servant of the Lord. And so as we mature over time, we need to realize uh, that, that uh, God's blessings, uh, you know, sometimes they may seem delayed in our life, but they're for a generation to come. Don't ever quit, because there's a really successful generation coming that's just like Caleb uh, 45 years later. And, so, and don't give up on the next generation, right? God needs to use them. God wants to use them. All right, I've got to keep moving. So Caleb, he had a warring heart. He had a warring heart. In verses 11 through 12, you see that. I am as strong this day as I was the day that Moses sent me, and as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to get out, and to, or both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, right now. Wherefore the Lord spake in, in that day, for thou heardest in that day how that the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. I mean, he don't go soft, man. This guy, he's amazing. He's going after the hardest thing. Caleb had a warring heart, not a weak and wimpy heart, man. This guy, he's like, I want to, I want to go after, I want to go after the stronghold. You know why that stronghold was there still? Because it was a stronghold. 
Not everybody wanted to go after that mountain. But Caleb did. He's like, that's my inheritance. I'm, I'm going to go get it. I don't really care who's there. You know, I'm going to go get this thing. So Caleb was physically strong as well. Like Moses in Deuteronomy 34.7, Joshua's natural force was not abated either. So he was as strong as a bull ox, and, and he was ready to go. If God has blessed you with good health, man, we need to use it. It doesn't matter if you're 25 or 95. I mean, if, you can, if you're ambulatory and you can keep moving, keep moving in a physical way. God wants to use you. Uh, but you know what? You can get a lot done even when you're not. Some of the most faithful uh, saints I know are homebound. Man, they pray. They're prayer warriors. They get a lot done in that condition as well. You don't have to stop. You're going to get a new body, and you've got to stay after it. So be balanced and make sure you don't trust your flesh over God's spirit. Now that's the cool thing about Caleb because he's naturally strong. He could have he could have trusted in the arm of flesh, and obviously he needs the arm of flesh. But what made him really roll wasn't his physical ability; it was his heart for God. He wholly followed the Lord, and so we need to make sure that we're strong in the Lord. Of course, you guys know Ephesians six ten. Finally, he says, "My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might." Right, His might, not our might. His might. So Caleb wanted to use his physical strength to accomplish supernatural work. You know what? God was going to allow that to happen. Caleb wasn't asking for fertile plains to conquer. He, he says, give me a, sat- a satanic stronghold. Right? Like, you know, you can have the easy stuff over here. I want to go do life issues. You know, he's like, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go into the hard stuff. The children of Anak were accounted as giants in their city's strongholds. And you know what? I think Caleb, I think he stormed that mountain. Uh, I think he, I don't know if he went by himself, but I think he would have. You know, he'd have taken a sword and a spear, and he'd have gone up that mountain by himself, and, and God would have given him the victory because he was full of faith. And so, uh, those demonic powers were not enough to stop him. So eventually, uh, uh, he would overcome that. That area would become known as Hebron, where the cave of Machpelah was located uh, to this day. And so Hebron today is where he is, lo- where he actually accomplished this feat. Notice Caleb takes this mission personally. He believes that he could do this by himself in God's power, and he's right. Uh, a preacher used to say, "You and God make the majority," right? And so, and so that's true. D. L. Moody once said this. He said, The world is yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to Him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. I don't know. I didn't know D.L. Moody, but I do know he had quite an impact with the gospel. So, now some mistake Caleb's uh, request for arrogance, but when you understand the magnitude of the task, uh, what it really means is that he was doing this for God's testimony, much like David when he was getting the enemies out of the land. He didn't like the Philistines on God's property. Caleb did not like the enemies of God in his inheritance. So he wanted to extinguish them and get them out. And remember, he appeared and they had re- rolled that reproach away. But yet there were still a people of reproach. In our lives, there's sin and there's strongholds. You know what? We need to trust the Lord to roll that reproach away whatever it is, and give God, allow God to have the grace in our life to roll that reproach away. You don't want your children and grandchildren um, <clears throat> to know a God who couldn't remove the strongholds from our life. Yeah, Dad was a Christian, but he was a hopeless alcoholic. Dad was a Christian, but he was this or that. You know, He cheated on Mom all the time, or whatever the case may be. Right? That's not the testimony we should have. No, Dad was a Christian who wholly followed the Lord. That's what I pray my kids would see in my life. 
And uh, I pray that they see me victorious over giants because they need to see that example if they're going to have victory over the giants. So ask God to give you grace because we need grace for that. To lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Caleb was a patient man. With all this vim and vigor at 85 years old, he'd waited 45 years. He was patient. When I was a younger man, uh, I used to watch a preacher named Art Wilson um, and uh, I put these pictures up here. This guy was literally couldn't read. He had to have a magnifying glass. You know, he couldn't even read his notes anymore. I, he just did it from memory. You know what I remember about Art Wilson? I don't even remember what he said. I remember his presence. This dude had patent leather white shoes on, polyester suit, and when polyester was way out of style, big old lapels hanging. I mean, he hadn't changed his clothes in 25 years, you know. And so I'm a young Christian, and this old guy, literally, I mean, he's like, he gets up here, he's like walking to the pulpit. He's in his 80s, like Caleb. But man, once the, man, once it was on, it was on. This dude flat preached the paint off the wall, and I would just sit there and be like, "Whoa, what is that?" Well, I just saw Jesus. I mean, Jesus was working through this old dude, and uh, <clears throat> and so uh, he was responsible for. He he lived in a, in a time in this country long before anything we could recognize. He's running through Kansas. They're baptizing half the town in the river outside the church outside the city limits and all that kind of it's just crazy revival stuff like you see in india was going on right here where we live and uh this guy was one of the guys out pioneering that stuff and it was just awesome to sit and watch and when you see somebody who's wholly followed the lord like that it does something in your heart right and you're like man when i grow up I want to be like that, man. I want to follow the Lord with my whole heart. I look at a guy like Mike Pepper. I don't know if you've seen Mike Pepper. He rolled out here. He's over 80 years old. He rolls up in here a few months ago, last year sometime. He preaches, gets his load of Bibles, goes out the front door, changes his clothes. and I'm watching him go out the parking lot. I'm like, man, Lord, when I'm 85 or whatever, I hope I can be like Mike Pepper. The guy's in Sierra Leone right now having revival time. And he's climbing a mountain. It's like amazing. You just you really need to when I need to take note of these type of people. Uh, we had Sam Strickland. He's not up there. I got some other guys. These guys are just I like them, so I put them on the screen. <laughs> I'll tell you this though about Mike Blake. That dude's got a lot of gravel in his gut. You know, there's no quitting in that guy. So uh, and I like and I do like this. Here you got Jay Boffman at 50 years old. He's striking out and planting a church. Reminds me a little bit of Caleb. Got that Caleb-like spirit uh, going out by faith. A time when a lot of guys are like, well, you know, it's about time to get my retirement portfolio out and see how we're going to handle, you know, retirement. He's gonna he's striking out by faith. I like that. All right, I got to be done. Uh, here quickly. So Joshua fourteen thirteen through fifteen. Let's be done. Caleb had a worthy heart, not just a warring heart, not just a waiting heart, and not just a willing heart. He had a worthy heart, and man, I pray that's what we have. In verse thirteen, he says, "And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzite unto this day, because he was whole, because he wholly followed." the Lord God of Israel. So Caleb had a worthy heart, not a worthless heart. He had a worthy heart, not a worthless heart. Joshua grants Caleb Hebron, as we just read. And to this point, Hebron, has, uh, Hebron had not been mentioned in the text. But it's a key location uh, because of the cave of Mac, uh, Machpelah. 
uh, is located there, which is where Abraham and the patriarchs are buried, which, with the exception of Rachel, who was buried in Bethel. And so he's reclaiming not just this mountain, not just this territory, but he's also reclaiming his heritage. Every so often here at HBF, we'll, we'll go through a series on church history. Why do we do that? Because we've got to remember uh, who came before us. And we, we want to have those promises, like Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob. Caleb was in that line of faithful men. You know what? When the Lord comes back, I want us, I want this church, and I want myself, and I want you guys, I want all of us to be found faithful, right? And so when you look through church history and there's a faithful remnant that have come from the first days until now, I pray that Heartland is in that line. Right? Those, these people were faithful. We, we took on the mountain. We went up and got the, the prostate. We valued, uh, we valued what was in the past, but we took it forward into the future. Right? We don't, that doesn't mean we have to go back and be Abraham. We don't have to be Isaac. We don't have to be Jacob. But we've got to be who God saved us to be and do what God called us to do. And we've got to do that faithfully with our whole heart. So faith is the victory. There's an old song by uh, John Yates uh, that, uh, and Ira Sankey. I mentioned D.L. Moody. He had a song leader. And these are the kind of songs they used to sing in the, in the Philadelphian church age. He said, it goes like this. Some of you probably heard this before. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise. Impress the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe and veils below, let all your strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. How many of you have heard that song? That's saying, oh man, that's such a that's a that's a good old hymn. We sing that all the time. And the chorus is faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. Truly faith is the victory. And Caleb was a faithful man because he followed the Lord holy. He had a willing heart, he had a waiting heart, he had a warring heart, and ultimately he had a war, a worthy heart. You know we often say, man, they have a heart of gold. You know, I pray that's, the, that's true of all of us. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we all know what's God looking for? Gold, silver, precious stone. Obviously, we know precious stones are the souls of men. We know silver is the price of redemption. Man, but I pray that our hearts would be gold, and we'd have a golden heart. So, thank you guys for your time. Uh, I pray that's an encouragement. I pray that we follow the Lord with a whole heart as we head into Vision Conference. And uh, we're going to enjoy Brian Berry here in just a few moments. I don't know how, uh, how Jason wraps this up, but uh, since I didn't do prayer requests, are there any prayer requests before we leave? Anything anybody needs to be prayed up, prayed over? Yes, ma'am. My uncle lost his uncle recently, and it's pretty assured that he was lost, and he's struggling with that right now. Oh, man, that's, that is tough. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, that's like three days sick. And Jason's sick, so we need to pray for Jason. And then uh, anything else? Maybe we could pray for Brian Barry too, as he's getting ready to preach the word here in just a few minutes. And 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 praise God for the the folks that are here over here on the other side. Um, let's see, Tyler Scholes, you want to lead us in, lead us out? Can you remember these prayer requests and pray us out here? As believers, Lord, and uh, we do ask that you just help us to stand fast in the truth, uh, not allow the adversary in the world to uh, suck the rug out from under our feet, Lord. That we would uh, just stand on the rock, your Son Jesus, Lord. We do pray for uh, Mickey's family and uh, yes, people Lord. that uh, has lost his life, Lord, and uh, didn't know you. And uh, Lord, I do pray yeah. that uh, 
you would just encourage us to, uh, uh, Lord, redeem the time because the days are evil and we don't know when our hour is up and uh, when those that are in our lives, hour is up. And so just help us to be faithful with the gospel. Uh, Lord, would you pray for uh, Jason and uh, his illness and Chris as well? Yes, Lord. You just have your hand of healing upon them. Uh, Lord, uh, pray for Mr. Barry as he's getting ready to bless your word, Lord, and just uh, open up our hearts, be ready to receive it, and we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.